I'm going to be speaking on a message this morning from a book I just wrote, and the title of the book is No More Idols. Somebody shout, No More Idols. How many people believe it's time in America to destroy our idols and put Jesus back on the throne again? Come on. <laughs> I think so. I think so. And uh, the book is going to be available for you guys in the lobby today if you're interested. But I'm talking about breaking idols. And today I want to talk about breaking and destroying the idol of self. Destroying the idol of self. Say this with me. Destroying the idol of self. Hey, by the way, I want to show you my family. I have an incredible family and and the picture's going to go on the screen. There we go. That's my family. That's... Somebody say wow. Say wow backwards. <laughs> I am so blessed. That's, that's my wife, Michelle. Uh, she's Italian. You know, she knows how to break kneecaps. Uh, I'm thankful I still have my kneecaps intact. And that's our Zenzo. We have our Sarah, Joshua, and Anaya. And I think I'm blessed. Amen. Awesome. Well, let's go back to destroying idols. We're going to destroy the idol of self. In this season of my life, I am so dedicated to making disciples. We have to make disciples. We have to raise up a generation of Christians in America who are true disciples of Jesus Christ. And this message I'm about to preach today is the message of Jesus. I'm going to read a scripture here that Jesus himself said, and he was teaching his disciples, if you want to be my disciples, deny yourself. This is what it means to be a true disciple. I want to start off by asking you this. How many people remember back in the days when we had no cell phones and you could not take your own selfie? Anybody remembers back in those days? Yeah, once in a while my wife tells me, I just, I wish we could go back in the days when we had no cell phones. That's when I'm on my phone a little too much. And, and, and any, any man can testify. Y'all going to leave me hang? Okay. Just me? Just Okay. But back in those days, if you wanted to take a picture, you would have to hire a photographer to come to your house. Anybody remembers that? And the photographer would take your pictures, or you would have to go to the mall somewhere and take pictures there. We didn't have the ability to take our own selfies. How many people remember back when there was no cell phones and you only had the home phone? Come on, somebody. Anybody remembers the answering machine? People would get very creative with their answering machines. <laughs> I used to love calling Christian homes because the answering machine always had a, a beautiful worship song. Shout to the Lord of the earth. And They'll just lower it down on cue. Welcome to the Johnson residence. We love Jesus and we hope you do too. It was so incredible. There was no cell phones. You couldn't take your own selfie. And then I remember the first time when somebody told me about taking a selfie. Anybody remembers the first time when you heard that you could take your own picture? At first, I thought it was a little weird because back in those days, you never saw anybody with a Canon camera turning that big thing around and taking their own picture. Come on, somebody. Anybody remembers the days with the yellow Kodak cameras, right? You had a few of those disposable cameras. No, you never saw anybody taking a yellow Kodak camera 
turning it around and taking their own picture. That would be weird. And I'll never forget when somebody told me, you can, do you know you can take your own picture? Have you heard of a selfie? And I was like, what's that? They said, you, you can take your own picture. And I was like, this is, this is so cool. Anybody in here can be honest. You like taking selfies. Wave at me. Oh, all right. Waters Church, I'm going to have to lay hands on some people today and pray. <laughs> but there's several types of selfies. Some people take a little too many selfies. But there's a selfie where people do the lip thing. You guys know the lip thing? First time I saw that, I thought that is the weirdest thing ever. But now it seems to be normal. A lot of people do that. And it's, have you ever seen somebody take a selfie and... Uh, and they're taking their selfie, but they're looking away like they have a photographer, like somebody's taking their picture. Like, we know you took that picture yourself. Like, <laughs> and then there are certain people that they take a selfie, they stare into the camera, no smile, it just looks creepy. Like, if you're going to take a selfie, show us, your, show us your mouth, show us your teeth. We want to we see your smile. But what's interesting is that back in those days, we did not take selfies. Now it's become very normal to take a selfie. Would you say that? It's acceptable in society. It's acceptable in our culture. Here's my big takeaway today. Even though it's okay to take a selfie every now and then, it's not okay to live in a selfie mode all the time. Let me say that again. Even though it's okay to take a selfie every now and then, it's not okay to live in a selfie mode all the time. We're living in a generation that is self-focused. We're living in a generation where it's become acceptable to focus on yourself. We're living in a generation where you hear a lot of people saying, I, I want this and I don't want that. And if you're going to relate with them, it's only based on what they want and nobody else. And I just believe that the church needs to change that. Because true discipleship is not just about what you receive. True discipleship is more about what you give to other people and bless other people more than just what you receive. And I'm praying, yes, come on, come on. Hallelujah. And I'm praying that God's going to raise a generation in America that's not selfish. A generation that's willing to give unto the Lord and serve and Send missionaries to Guatemala and do great things for the Lord. This is the generation that's going to reintroduce true discipleship again. If you believe that, somebody shout hallelujah. One more time, somebody shout hallelujah. Here's what the dictionary says about a selfie. The definition of a selfie. An image of oneself taken by oneself using a digital camera, especially for posting about oneself on social networks. Wow. How many times do you see oneself? People focusing on themselves. Yes, it's okay to take a selfie every now and then, but it's not okay to live in a selfie mode all the time. I've been in ministry a long time, and I'll tell you this. I've been pastoring for a little while, but I've been in ministry for a long time, helping my parents some of the most miserable people I know are people who focus on themselves all the time. And there's not a thing you can do about them. There's not a thing you can do for them because they focus on themselves. They come to church and they say, Pastor, 
uh, Sunday, the, the, it was too warm in there. We need more AC. And we give them more AC. And they come back. Pastor, the parking lots were too busy. We need to get some cones in the parking lot. We get the cones. And they come back. Pastor, the music was too loud. And they come back. Pastor, I didn't like what you preached. And they come back. Pastor, and it's all about them. And you can do everything that they want. And they're never satisfied. Yeah. They live in a selfie mode all the time. We have to destroy this idol. It's an idol where you focus on yourself so much. And that's the recipe for misery. It is the recipe for misery. I heard a story, wow, of a family that was swimming on a Saturday and having a good time in the lake. And all of a sudden, the water current began to rise and they were stuck in the water. They waved at somebody to rescue them. A family of five people. And this man came and pulled them out of the water and, and rescued them. And all five of them left and left this man in the water. And he passed away in the water after he rescued those people. That's the generation we are living in. But we are changing that in Jesus' name. I heard another story of an EMT on a Saturday. He was having lunch and it was a break day for him. He wasn't working that day. And there was a pregnant lady who really needed some help. And he refused to attend to this lady because it was his off day from work. And that lady, that pregnant woman passed away. This is the generation we're living in. I heard a story during quarantine of a man who cracked a wine bottle on another man's head because they were fighting for tissue paper, toilet paper at Walmart. This is the generation we're living in. Hey, I'm African, by the way. Let me just tell you this. You can survive a long time without toilet paper. <laughs> I thought I might just add that in there. <laughs> but what a life. What a life where we focus on ourselves all the time. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 or 2, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, Obedient to their parents, disobedient rather, to their parents. Ungrateful and unholy. I believe we are living in a generation where people are self-focused. Yes, we, it's okay to take a selfie, but let's not live in a selfie mode. It says ungrateful and unholy. There's something about ungratefulness that causes you to just focus on yourself. And there's something about gratefulness, something about thankfulness that removes the focus from yourself and begin to put the focus on Jesus. I don't know about you, but if you survive 2020, if you survive COVID, there's nothing else to live for than to praise God. You may not be where you want to be right now, but you're not where you used to be. Come on. You deserve to praise Jesus. Can anybody in this place tell me that Jesus deserves some praise? Can anybody take a moment and just celebrate Jesus for his goodness? and the things he's done in your life. I want to I see somebody who dares to shout in this place and say that God has been good in my life. If it wasn't for Jesus, I should not be alive today. Woo! This African boy is getting excited. Why? Because I've come a long way. 
I should not be alive today. Can I see a few people in the building who say if it wasn't for Jesus, I should not be alive today. The reason I am alive is because of the goodness of God. Therefore, I'm not just going to focus on myself. I'll give him the praise because he deserves the praise and the glory and the honor. And he is good. Can I get a few people to shout and celebrate Jesus in this place? Oh, hallelujah. It's human nature to complain all the time. The children of Israel left Egypt. They were crying. They were slaves. God sent Moses to deliver them. Can you see them in the wilderness complaining? We don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have enough. Just take me back to Egypt. And I'm praying that God's going to raise up a generation of a people that know how to lift up their hands and say thank you. Uh, I may not have everything I want to have, but, but I, you deserve the praise. And everything may not be fine in my family, but you deserve the praise. I, I may not be where I want to be, but I, but I sure am not where I used to be. You deserve the praise. Whatever you want me to do, I'll praise you and I'll serve you. God, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my husband. They get on my nerves once in a while, but I thank you for them. Thank you that I have somebody I can share life with. Don't take your family for granted. Hey, if you're sitting next to someone who you, you're married to, just, just look at them and tell them, I love you. You're all that in a bag of chips. We're going to take a commercial break here for, for the married people. Because maybe some of us haven't appreciated the person that's sitting next to us in a long time. In a long time. We're living in a generation that focuses on self. This is what the Bible says. John chapter 12 verse 23. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel, unless a seed of wheat is planted in the soil and dies. Somebody shout dies. It remains alone, but it's death. Somebody shout death. But it's death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. This is the secret to being productive and effective in life. This is the secret to producing a plentiful harvest of new lives is that a seed has to die. There's a new generation that's preaching a crossless gospel. That's introducing people to a crossless gospel. We have Christianity today because Jesus went to the cross. There's no any other way for you to Christianity. It's through receiving the finished work of the cross. But you also have to pick up your cross. Sacrifice something. Give something. That's the way of Christianity. How many people in this room are serious about becoming true disciples of Jesus? Yeah, you're going to have to sacrifice something. There's going to be some dying to self. You're going to have to die to the cares of this world. You're going to have to sacrifice something. The Lord is going to ask you to remove some friends out of your life. Talk to me, somebody. The Lord is going to ask you to remove some things that are toxic from your life. The Lord might even ask you to not watch certain TV shows or movies anymore because they are toxic for your life. The Lord may ask you to begin to serve and to begin to do something you never saw yourself doing before. The Lord may ask you to be on a trip to Guatemala next time. 
There's a new generation that's preaching a crossless gospel. And it's not the gospel. Because without the cross of Jesus, we don't have the gospel. There's something you're going to have to sacrifice. There's something you're going to have to give up. And what you have to do is pray and ask God, God, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to sacrifice? What do you want me to give up? I want to take a moment and ask you right now, what's the Lord saying to you in this season of your life? Can you take inventory, the, the friends around you, the, the people around you, some of the things that you're doing? What is God asking you to sacrifice? Because discipleship, true discipleship, is more about what you give, what you sacrifice, more than just what you receive. I want to read the scripture, so powerful. Matthew 16, verse 24. This is Jesus himself speaking. I want you to pay attention to this. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, how many people would want to come after Jesus? How many people want to follow Jesus? How many people want to be true followers of Jesus? Here's the recipe. Here's the principle. Let him deny himself. Wow. Deny himself. Let him give up worldly things that he wants. And let, let, him, let her give up the things that are the cares of this world that he wants, that she wants. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Take up his cross. It means you're going to have to sacrifice something. Something is going to have to die. You're going to have to give up something. Take up his cross. And then he says this, and follow me. He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. I'm telling you, I know this is a little bit of a tough message today, but I promise you, I came to give you life today. I came to give you hope today because this is the recipe of true joy. This is the secret of true satisfaction. It says if you lose yourself, if you choose to make life not just about you and you lose yourself, it says you will find yourself. Let me read that. It says, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Let me go back. It says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. Wow. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever's going to think about self and it's all about me and just what I want. When God is requiring you to remove something, you resist. It's all about me. I just, this is what I want. And I've told you already, some of the most miserable people I know are people who are just self-focused because they lose themselves. And the secret is here. It says, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is the secret to true joy. This is the secret to true satisfaction. This is a secret to a life where you're, you're, you're having joy every single day of your life. And I'm not saying that you won't go through some hardships. You will. But there's a deep sense of satisfaction and joy because you're not making life about you. People find themselves frustrated because they set themselves up for failure. They set themselves up for frustration because they just expect everything to be about them. I want to tell you a story. I come from Africa, and I went to a funeral one day. My father took me to a funeral when I was about 11 years old, somewhere there, 11 or 12. Now, this is not an American funeral. This is an African funeral. Funerals are a little different, especially in the villages where people are underprivileged. When somebody dies, they don't take them to the morgue. They just keep them in a house, 
they lay a mat on the ground and they put the dead person there. They cover them with blankets and people come in the room and they sing all night and the next day they bury the person. So my father took me to this funeral. He was preaching there and I got in this little living room. So many people were packed in that living room and I was surprised that everybody was on one side and on the other side there was a lady sleeping on the mat. And there was nobody there. And the rest of the people were on just this one side. And at 11 years old, I thought to myself, there's no room in this space. Why is everybody on one side? So I decided to sit on the mat next to the lady who was sleeping on the mat. Somebody already knows where I'm going with this one. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. So I sat right there. I'm thinking, hey, there's space here. There's space on this mat. Next to the lady who's taking a nap. I'm, I'm going to sit right here. While all you guys are jam-packed over there. And when I, some, at some point, because this was really late. I was, I was so young and this was really late in the night. People were singing. I fell asleep at some point. There we go. I fell asleep next to the lady who was taking a nap. And when I woke up, my legs were pushing onto her belly. Ooh. Now, now, I got up, and I was surprised. And I, I remember thinking to myself, why didn't the lady push my legs away? I, I mean, I was pretty stepping into her belly. And, and, and then it dawned on me. I had an aha moment. And it dawned on me that the lady was not taking a nap. It dawned on me that I was at the funeral of this lady. And here I was stepping into her belly. I got so surprised and I just, I got terrified because we get really scared of dead bodies. I, I got so terrified. I was like, I'm stepping into a dead body right now. And I got up and I just left. But the reason that lady did not push my legs away is because dead people don't feel pain. Can I tell you something else? Dead people don't feel pride. And this is what the Lord said to me. The Lord said, Zenzo, if you are upset with everything all the time. Because I went through a season where I was upset with everything. Upset at my pastor. Upset with my church. Upset with my family. Upset at work. And if you find yourself upset all the time, chances are you haven't died to self yet. Because dead people don't feel no pain. And dead people don't feel no pride. This is the making of true disciples. Where we begin to learn to die to self. And I'm telling you, the Bible is going to challenge you. Pastor Tim is going to preach some things from this pulpit that will challenge you. Let me say this to you. If your God never disagrees with you then you're simply worshiping an idealized version of yourself. If your pastor never says anything that you disagree with, then you don't have a pastor, you just have friends. But the kingdom of God and the word of God is going to challenge us. How many people welcome the challenge in this place? Uh, come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. You know why? Because if you lose yourself, then you will find yourself.
The joy is in the sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If God says give up these friends and you give them up, there's going to be joy. God knows better. He knows better. God says give up this thing. It's not working out for you and you give it up. True joy and true satisfaction. You will experience true joy and satisfaction. I want to read this scripture for you. I love Micah chapter 6 verse 8. It says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? What does the Lord require of you? How many people would like to know this morning what the Lord requires of you? Three things, three things. And I'm going to give you these three things as we close. This is how we're going to destroy this selfie mentality. These three points. I want you to write them down. Here we go. It says, act justly. Love mercy. And walk humbly with your God. Act justly. Love mercy. And walk humbly with your God. I want everybody in this place to shout, act justly. One more time. I want everybody to shout, love mercy. And finally, I want everybody to shout, walk humbly. So what does that mean? Number one, to act justly. Is simply this, do what God wants you to do, not what you want to do. That's what justice is. Can I tell you this? Justice is a person and his name is Jesus. And justice is simply doing what God wants you to do, not what you want to do. Don't focus on you. Focus on what God wants you to do. Years ago, I was invited to a meeting in California to lead worship. I lead worship, I write songs, and I was invited to this meeting, and I was so honored to be invited at this meeting with all these amazing people and TV evangelists, and, and I, I had such low self-esteem. Low self I wanted to belong, and I remember going there and thinking, God, I want these people to like me. I want them to love me. I want them to invite me back. And, and so I went to this meeting, and I went to the bathroom, and while I was in the bathroom, I overheard two men of God that I honor and love. I was in the bathroom waiting for them so I can get an autograph. And while I was there waiting for them to get an autograph, I overheard these two men of God talking about another man of God that I knew from right here in Boston. And I remember getting so disappointed thinking, I love these guys. I honor them. I've seen them on TV. I couldn't wait to get that autograph. And in that moment, I felt the Lord impressing upon me to not ask for the autograph, but to tell them that the person they were talking about was not guilty like they thought. And I thought, God, no, I need the autograph, and I need these people to like me. And I felt the Lord saying, no, do justice. Don't do what you want. Do what I would want to do. And so I waited for them outside the bathroom, and when they came out, I said, I love you guys. I celebrate what you do, but I just wanted you to know this. I overheard what you were talking about, and I just want you to know that that man you were talking about is a good man, and I know about that story you were talking about, and that's not how it happened. And those two men, to my surprise, repented to me, and they said, we're sorry. And for the rest of the conference, they took me around and instead of rejecting me, they introduced me to everybody. 
And from those connections and those relationships, God has done so much in my life. Because I didn't choose to preserve myself, I chose to do what Jesus would do. Come on, let's raise up a generation that acts justly. That's what it means to act justly. And by the way, I just got to say this. At the end of the conference, I say, can I get some autograph? African boy is going to go home with some autographs in this. Come on, somebody. I got me not just two autographs. I got me about 10 autographs. Act justly. If you lose yourself, then you will find yourself. When you find yourself in a situation like that, do you do justice or do you choose you? And then it says, love mercy. Somebody say, love mercy. What does it mean to love mercy? Mercy is to withhold the punishment that somebody deserves for the mistake they've done. You give up the right to punish them. You give up the right to revenge. One time I got a phone call from a lady. and She had such an attitude and she said, Pastor, I just want you to know that we're scheduling some road races on a Sunday that are going to go through the school where you guys gather for worship and that you're not going to be able to gather for church. I just want you to know that you're not going to be able to have church. Church is not going to happen. And I remember thinking, why are you so excited about church not happening? She had such an attitude. Have you, have you ever gotten a phone call or have you ever spoken to somebody and you could just tell they were on a mission to test your Christianity? Any, only, any honest people in this place are going to agree with me. I, I remember just getting upset, getting upset. I wanted to set my wife loose on her and just release, release that mafia spirit and break some kneecaps. Come on, somebody. Any true Christians in this place? I mean, I was getting upset. The, 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 the lion, the African lion in me was, was, was going. And this is what I felt impressed upon. I felt the Lord saying, take the biggest seed from the church and give it to her. From your missions fund. And give it towards her organization. Wow. <laughs> I thought to myself, the devil is a liar. That's not God. <laughs> And I called the lady to tell her we have a gift for you, thousands of dollars. She picked up the phone with an attitude, what do you want? And I thought, God, there's my cue. I'm not supposed to give any money to this lady. The devil is a liar. But I called her, I said, I have a gift for you. It took everything in me to say, I have a gift for you. And she went quiet. The next thing I heard was sniffles. I could tell she was crying. Don't you just love God? I love to do it God's way. I could tell she was crying. And she said, Pastor, you have no idea. I'm a single mom. Life has been tough. My son has been acting up. And my boss told me that if I don't raise money for this race, I don't have a job. And she said, why are you doing this to me? Why are you being nice to me? I haven't been good to you. Why are you, I have been, I have been this to you. She used another word I can't use from the stage. I, how do you know the word I'm talking about? <laughs> We're going to have to pray for some church people up in here. She said, I've been bad to you. Why are you being nice to me? And here's one thing she said. She said, the amount 
of money. Ooh, I'm getting ready to get excited in this place. I love how God works. She said, the amount of money you've told me that you're giving me is the same amount of money I needed to raise for this race to happen. Come on, somebody celebrate Jesus. And I said, can I pray for you? And I prayed for you. And I prayed for her and I spoke a blessing over her son. That is to love mercy. I had every right. Some of the things she was saying, I wanted to sue her for defamation of our organization. I had every right. But I said, no, we're going to sow a seed. Act justly. What would Jesus do? What would God do? Love mercy. And finally, walk humbly. Somebody said, walk humbly. One time I was invited to a meeting. This is when I, I was doing a lot of music and people knew me in the area. And when I went there, I expected the usher to welcome me and walk me to the front. And there were all these leaders seated on the, on the platform. I expected that they would welcome me, bring me to the front. And the Asha that welcomed me that day was new to church, newly saved, had no idea who's who, and he just said, hey, welcome, and, and brought me way to the back, sat me behind this big camera thing, and no, nothing to those people sitting behind the big camera back there. That's a good seat, because I experienced the presence of God. And I was upset the whole night. I went back to my hotel just upset. <laughs> and I felt the Lord saying, Zenzel, you've made this about you. It's not about you. I'm the one who's given you the gift of music. I'm the one who's given you opportunities. But don't ever forget that it's not about you. Don't ever forget to take the back seat. When you go into a room, don't expect the seat at the high table. Walk humbly. Give that seat to somebody else. There's somebody who needs more Jesus than you do. Give it to them. And so now when I walk into rooms, I don't expect the high seat. If you give me the high seat, I'll say thank you. And I'll confidently sit in that seat because of the Jesus in me. But if you don't give me the seat, I won't be worried. I won't stay up in the night because I don't expect it anyway. Praise will not come this way. Praise is going that way. Praise goes to Jesus. This is about Jesus. This is not about me. This is about Jesus. This is about Jesus.